I never expected it to happen. Bishop Cynthia Fiera Harvey is the United Methodist Bishop of Louisiana. I've gotten to know her over the years as we've served on different boards together. She was also a colleague of Matt's out in Texas before becoming a bishop. Bishop Harvey was on a video cast with our bishop this week entitled At the Table in Prayer. They were discussing Wesley's covenant prayer. Are you familiar with it? It begins, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. It's a prayer traditionally used to start a new year. Or it could be your prayer during the 40 days of Lent. We'll have copies available for you to pick up to pray during Lent or to use with your prayer triad. Bishop Harvey was asked in that interview, when did this prayer show up in your life? I never expected it to happen. She said she grew up a Roman Catholic, so she didn't encounter this prayer until she was an adult. Then she said it. I never expected it. She said her husband was a Lutheran and she was a Catholic, so United Methodism was a good middle ground. And they started visiting a church near her work. She was in the corporate world back then. Straight out of college, she'd been hired to be the director of the director of marketing at Perimeter Mall. The first church she joined as a United Methodist was, drum roll please, Dunwoody United Methodist Church. At Dunwoody United Methodist Church, as a young 20-something, she was pleased to find out that her Roman Catholic baptism actually counted. Dunwoody was the first church they joined together as a couple, and this is where she first encountered the covenant prayer she said she didn't even know who John Wesley was back then. In January here at Dunwoody, some 40 years ago, this prayer was introduced to Bishop Harvey sitting in one of our pews. And for a long time, it sat under glass on her desk. She and her husband prayed it every day in their first days of marriage together. I'm no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Dunwoody UMC, you helped set the trajectory for her faith journey. Wesley's covenant prayer continues to shape and frame her life, and she learned it right here. I'm thankful to serve such a church, a church that shapes and frames the lives of people, that opens the door to change people's lives in the middle ground between Lutheran and Roman Catholic, or between Episcopalian and Church of God. I never expected it to happen, but she said, Dunwoody UMC. Dunwoody UMC is where her faith journey in United Methodism began. The disciples never expected it to happen. You see this section of scripture in Mark begins with the healing of a blind man and ends with the healing of a blind man. And the disciples are blind to who Jesus really is. Right in the middle of the book of Mark and of this section of Mark, Jesus invites his inner circle up to the top of the mountain with him. He's just told them that he's going to suffer and die. So I doubt they expected what would happen next. There on the mountain, they get a glimpse of who Jesus fully is. Join Peter, James, and John as they hike up the mountain in Mark 9, verses two to nine. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. 
and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became a dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the good news according to the Gospel of Mark. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for those mountaintop times where we see a glimpse of who you fully are. Help us to take that glimpse out into the world and may people see you in us. Amen. I really never expected it to happen. As a child of the Mid-Atlantic, I've been a Bruce Springsteen fan since my brother had me listen to Born to Run over Christmas break in 1975 when I was 11 and he was home from college. In fact, the second to last concert I attended before moving to Georgia was Born in the USA at Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia. And I knew what every real Bruce fan knows. The boss doesn't do commercials. So I never really expected it to happen, but right there in the middle of the Super Bowl, the boss offered a prayer and Bruce could use some prayers these days as we all can. He said it this way, there's a chapel in Kansas standing at the exact center of the lower 48. It never closes. All are more than welcome to come and meet here in the middle. It's no secret. The middle has been a hard place to get to lately. Between the red and the blue, between servant and citizen, between our freedom and our fear. Now fear has never been the best of who we are. Fear has never been the best of who we are. We need the middle. We can make it to the mountaintop. Our light has always found its way through the darkness and there's hope on the road up ahead. One blogger said it this way, the call was not to a mediocre middle, nor to some sort of national group hug. The call was to the kind of courage that forged our nation, that brought people from around the world to this country to unite around the common principles of freedom to pursue the possibility of big dreams. It was a call to recognize the interconnectedness and in interdependence we all have as residents of local communities and as citizens of our country E pluribus unum, out of many one, is not just a nice slogan, it's a call to higher ground. So here in the middle of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus takes his inner, inner circle up to higher ground, up to the mountaintop where the light finds its way to show us who Jesus truly is. They never expected it to happen, but God's light broke through in a powerful way. The disciples get a glimpse of the glory of God there on the mountaintop, Jesus is transformed before their very eyes. His clothes become a dazzling white, whiter than anyone could bleach them. At least back in those days, which is more significant in the time before Clorox. Then Elijah and Moses show up and start talking with Jesus. It's an incredible sight given to these three disciples. 
Yet rather than just being dazzling, dazzled by how amazing Jesus is and basking in the glory of God, breaking through for just a minute, Peter has to say something. The text even tells us he did not know what to say for they were terrified. Now fear has never been the best of who we are. We've all been there, right? Saying something when our silence would have served everyone better. But Peter just babbles away anyway. He blurts out what might be the understatement of the year. It's good for us to be here. Peter, come on. Good? This is fantastic. It's amazing. Out of this world, a glimpse beyond this world, into the world to come. The light shining in the darkness. We should be amazed that Peter just keeps on talking, offering to build booths for them to stay there on the mountain, to hold on to a moment that he himself can't quite seem to stay in. When he should have just been gaga with God's glory shining through, there on the edge of glory, hanging on a moment of truth, Peter must be thinking, if we can just stay up here on the mountain, perhaps Jesus won't have to face another hill one called Golgotha. Can't we just stay up here with the all-star team in glory and not have to face the suffering of the everyday? If we could just stay up here? For like every good Jew at the time knew, they were expecting that where the Messiah would be, there would be no suffering. Jesus does not say a word up there on the mountain, for he is the word, the word made flesh. And those three disciples get a glimpse. They say, see Jesus not just connected to the law and the prophets, but talking with the law and the prophets, talking with Elijah and Moses. The disciples would have remembered how all this happened to Moses on Mount Sinai. Six days, check. Cloud overshadows the mountain, check. Overshadows is the same word in Greek as when Mary is overcome by the Holy Spirit, a moment pregnant with possibility. God speaks from a cloud, check. There are three companions, check. The appearance of Moses and Jesus is transformed, check. And the reaction is fear, check. Now fear has never been the best of who we are, but it is a natural reaction when the unexplainable breaks into our lives. Yet even in our fear and lack of understanding, we could bask in the glory of God for just a moment, couldn't we? We could stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love us, sinners condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful. They've been to the mountaintop and heard the voice of God say, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Listen to him, listen to Jesus. Might we do that? Are you listening to Jesus with your life? On the way back down the mountain, back to the place of human struggle and suffering, Jesus tells his disciples, don't tell anyone about what you've just seen until after the resurrection. Now that's a pretty tall order, isn't it? When you encounter the glory of God, the miracles of life, might we take some time to ponder them? Before you tell others about what you've seen and heard, you might not really know what it means at the moment. So take some time to reflect and to pray after you've gotten a glimpse of glory. Take time, even as you're walking down the mountain, to listen to him. <clears throat> now, listening can be accomplished in the reflection upon and the pondering of our sacred experiences. What does this encounter mean for me and for the rest of my life? <clears throat> After that wonderful time on the mountaintop, things started to go downhill. 
For meanwhile, we find the rest of the disciples down at the bottom of the mountain. And what are they doing? They are arguing while the boss is away. The remaining disciples are arguing with the scribes, and I imagine what the disciple Philip must have been thinking. Philip is thinking to himself, Peter, James, and John. Why is it always Peter, James, and John? They never invite Philip, and this is not the first time. He only took those, he, he took those three with him the last time. Why didn't I get included? Why was I left out, left behind? I could have kept up. I could have hiked up there with him. I asked Peter why they never included me, and he said, well, Philip, we already have a foursome. Why am I stuck here at the bottom of the mountain when the action is up there at the top of the mountain? I felt so left out. Have you ever felt stuck at the bottom of the mountain, wondering why you were not invited, not included, not included in that group or that meeting or that conversation or that time apart? I began to resent Peter, James, and John always those three. Even though Jesus chose them, it got under my skin a bit. So when the scribes came up to question our ability to heal, I was ready for a fight. And I may have let my resentment bubble over in the way I talked to the scribes. Because I knew I should be up there on the mountain and not stuck down here with these people. I knew that resentment is allowing someone else to live in your head rent-free. I knew that resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die, but still it bubbled up in me. Someone said this, if you can start the day without caffeine, if you can resist complaints and excessively loud people without reacting, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, and if you can relax and sleep without any aids, if you can do all those things, then you're probably a dog. I knew resentment wasn't good for me, but I couldn't help it. I should have gotten to go. I should have been included. I deserve that promotion or that raise or that bonus or that vaccine, not them. Then Jesus came back down the mountain, still glowing from that experience. Everyone could feel that something is, had changed. But then Jesus looked at me and asked, Philip, what were you arguing about while we were gone? <clears throat> We were caught red-handed. And before I could tell Jesus, a concerned father from the crowd spoke out saying, teacher, I brought them my son. He's troubled by an evil spirit. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cast it out. Then Jesus said to me words that really hurt. You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And there Jesus cast out the demon and healed that little boy and then looked at me and said, Philip, this kind can only be cast out through prayer. And I was convicted. I realized that I'd been spending all my time and energy worried about myself. Why hadn't I been included? Why hadn't I been invited? Why was I stuck down here at base camp, never included in the inner, inner circle? We couldn't cast out the demon. We couldn't be part of God's healing in the world because we had not been praying. We'd been complaining. We'd been resentful. We'd been arguing. We'd been looking up the chain, wondering why we were not called up higher ourselves rather than realizing that there's healing work to be done right here at the bottom of the mountain. 
The Kansas City Chiefs had been to the mountaintop last year, beating the 49ers in the Super Bowl, but this year one of their players was missing from the field, an offensive lineman called Larry by his teammates. He was the first player to opt out of the 2020 season due to COVID, but not because he was afraid of getting COVID. He decided to come down from the mountain of glory to the bottom of the mountain where the healing work could be done. Larry, better known as Laurent Duvarnay Tardif, opted out of the 2020 season in order to put his medical training into practice. Not many, or should I say any other NFL player, is a trained medical doctor. Larry had graduated from the medical school in his native Canada, but hadn't done his residency, so he could not practice as a doctor yet. He decided his gifts were better used fighting COVID this football season. So he left the glory of the playing field to work as an orderly of all things in a long-term care facility. Now that can feel like the bottom of the mountain. He said it was not easy to say no to the glory. He felt like he was letting his team down, but he needed to be able to look back at himself in 10 years and be able to live with his decision because some things are more important than football. He said it was hard watching the Chiefs win while he was there on the front lines of COVID, offering older adults cups of apple puree and medication. One reporter asked him about the resentment that was building up in him while he watched his team from afar. And he said, I promised myself I'd be happy for them. I wanted them to win. To win. And he then said, it turns out I was still on a winning team with the heroes on the front line, our faithful medical workers, working day after day, serving week after week, every day being faithful to God. Several years ago, I was struggling with how to finish a sermon. I was looking through the clearance section at the Borders Bookstore in Buckhead, across from Waiukuro Baptist Church, hoping I didn't have to pay full price for the ending of that sermon. And I never expected what would happen next. I heard a scream. I looked to my left and there on an escalator headed up to the second floor was a little boy falling down the escalator. His dad was at the top of the escalator and as he watched his young son tumble down the escalator, try as he might, he couldn't get to his little boy. I jumped on the escalator, caught the boy just before he hit his head and then was able to carry the boy up to the top of the escalator where his dad was waiting. I learned that day that God in God's fullness can't be at the bottom of the escalator or at the bottom of the mountain. So God places us there. God appoints people like you and me and Larry to the bottom of the mountain, to the base of the escalator. And if we spend our time resenting where we are, we may miss the blessing of what is right in front of us. Sometimes God's healing work can only be done at the bottom of the mountain. I've heard it called the incarnation. Might we spend less time in resentment and arguing about what can't be done? May we break through resentment by spending more time in prayer about what might be done, listening to Jesus, listening to him. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt, rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee exalted for thee or brought low for thee? How much of your time and energy are you spending looking up the mountain? My guess is there's plenty of healing work to be done right where you are. So even at the bottom of the mountain, we can say it is good for us to be here. May that be our prayer as we listen to Jesus more and more each day.
Amen.